Welcome to this episode of The Unhealthy Vegetarian. I'm your podcast host, Joyce Korea, and today I have a very special guest, my partner Adam. Hello. Hi. <laughs> so you've already been forewarned, but um, you know that um, when I introduce a guest, I ask them what their favorite animal is and why, because I'm quite indecisive, and my favorite animal is all. So what's your favorite animal? <laughs> Well, aside from my dog, Apollo, who's just a mutt, I'd say rhinos, my favorite animal. Don't know why. They're just cool looking and vegan, I guess. So Yeah, they do. They're really cute. And I own one. No, I'm joking. Um, you had kindly adopted me a rhinoceros for my, for my birthday. Yeah. And he's, he's out there somewhere living his best rhino life and i appreciate that so thank you <laughs> no problem um this podcast is actually all about plant-based eating and i thought that the best person to go to since um you've been vegan for a while now so i wanted to ask um why you'd went vegan why you'd gone vegan <laughs> <laughs> well um initially when i went vegan it was because the a uh, girl I was dating at the time was vegan as well, or before me anyways. And she went vegan and then sort of hounded me about it, basically, um, until I agreed to as well. And it was the day that the Great Barrier Reef had died, and it was very emotional for her. And my sister actually uh, texted her and said that she was going vegan that day. And then that sort of roped me into it as well. So my initial decision was pretty forced, I guess you could say. But since then, I've obviously stuck with it for four years now or thereabout. Um, and the reason for that is basically there's the ethical, the environmental, and the health aspects to being vegan. Um I was always healthy, but my main focus uh, for veganism is the environmental aspect and wanting to preserve this earth as long as we can. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you as well about what your transition to veganism was like. Yeah, so as I said, it was sort of a in-the-moment decision that I was pushed into, but the nice thing was since my partner at the time and my sister were both vegan, I had those sources to go to. Um, prior to that, I had been vegetarian for a couple months, and then I went back to eating meat, but I cut out uh, dairy and egg from my diet. Uh, and the reason I did that is because I found that when I was eating vegetarian, my crutch was often the cheese and the eggs. So I'd have uh, vegetarian omelets for breakfast, or I'd have cheese pizzas and grilled cheese, and just everything was cheese or egg-based. So by cutting out those two aspects and just eating the meat, it became a lot easier to wean myself off of the meat. And then eventually I just went cold turkey on that, uh, on that day, as I said. And then the week that I went vegan, uh, in order to convince myself that it was actually possible and I could do so without feeling hungry all the time, because I'm a 
six foot three, two hundred some pound male who plays sports and works out and are not your typical vegan. Mm-hmm. And my perception of vegans at the time were sort of skinny, hippie, white valley girls. <laughs> uh-huh. So in turn, I was somewhat concerned about being full and being able to maintain sort of muscle and uh, my fitness levels and all that. But I meal prepped a week's worth of meals. I did some uh, fruit smoothies for breakfast and quinoa salad for lunches and then a pasta for dinner. And it was all terrible and very bland (laughs) because I didn't know how to make vegan food yet. Mm -hmm. But I was full and happy and able to live my life as I had always done. And that sort of showed me that it was possible to do. Yeah, I suppose I'd I'd asked because um, my transition into plant-based eating wasn't necessarily healthy. Um, I know I had a a difficult relationship um, with food earlier in my, or I guess later in my um, teenage years. And sorry, pardon me, I got a (laughs) text message. But um, I didn't have a a healthy relationship with food in, in my late teens. And going vegan became um, an excuse to um, kind of support those um, unhealthy habits. And so when I was finally in a healthier mindset, I went vegetarian. And I did the same thing as you did and had meal prepped and it tasted like nothing <laughs> as well because I am just an awful cook in general but I am I'm learning but I think it is super important to do your research beforehand and also meal prep for the first um, bit because that's the easiest way to figure out what your body needs um, mm-hmm. yeah my my next question as well was what were your um, sources when you had done your research um, with going vegan in terms of perhaps recipes or just like people you'd you'd look up to. Um, But yeah. Well, in terms of motivation, Mm -hmm. I guess, and proof to myself that, as I said, it was possible. Mm -hmm. um, In recent, in just the last couple of years, mind you, uh, vegan athletes have become a much larger percentage Mm -hmm. of the sort of athletic community Uh, but at the time the only really notable athlete that I remember uh, sort of studying and like he being vegan of course was a man named Patrick Baboumian Mm -hmm. who is or was uh, Germany's strongest man Mm. and he was vegan for years before he got the title so it wasn't something where he ate meat constantly And then went vegan a week before competition and then claimed that he was a plant-based athlete. Uh, But he built himself off of this vegan diet. And now he's sort of in his 40s or whatever, so he can't really hold that title anymore, compete with the younger uh, (laughs) athletes. Mm -hmm. But that was proof to me that you could build a big, strong frame uh, body while being vegan. There's also a gentleman named Jordan, 
I forget his last name now. It's two first names, basically. It's like Jordan and Ryan or something like that. That's the one that I like with um, the Animal Sanctuary. Yeah, so his Instagram title is Conscious Muscle. Yes. And then he hosts a, or he has a um, Animal Sanctuary, as you said. But he's a vegan bodybuilder. And he doesn't compete or anything like that. But he's just a very big, strong person. Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, there's a notable athlete named C.T. Fletcher. Mm-hmm. Who used to eat horribly. And he's a very famous and very rough and manly. And grew up in uh, the hood in New York, I think. And he just sort of has gone through it in his life. And in his later years for health, he switched to a plant-based diet. Mm. So I find moments like that very interesting because, of course, there's sort of gymnasts and rock climbers and uh, runners and swimmers and all these impressive athletes, mind you. Uh, But they're sort of the people you'd expect to be vegan. Mm. Um, But it's when you get people that are football players or bodybuilders or hockey players or the more conventionally muscular, large people mm-hmm. going vegan, that's when you can show people that it isn't something limited or that something that will limit you to a certain lifestyle. Yeah, I think whenever I have um, conversations with people about um, eating plant-based, I think one of their concerns is how you're going to sustain yourself and how it can become unhealthy. Um, I think if you don't eat a balanced diet, obviously, you're going to, to suffer from that. And I think one of the misconceptions is, is people think that people who eat plant-based only eat greens, and there's just no way. Um, it's kind of the same thing if, you know, you only ate meat. Like, you can't just have one um, food group and expect to sustain yourself. No. And there's a YouTuber and blogger that you know as well named Lauren Toyota. Uh, who lives in Toronto, I believe. And uh, she runs a blog called Hot for Food. And that is, or it was and continues to be, my main source for vegan recipes. Mm -hmm. Just because I find consistently, this is sort of a promotion for her, but I find that whenever I make her recipes, they always turn out well, or at least always sort of tasty to some extent. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't had similar experiences with other vegan cookbooks or sites there are good ones out there but none that are as consistent as hers and what i really like about her recipes is there's lots of vegan cookbooks that are sort of health food based and they say oh here's a sort of power salad or a soup that's really healthy for you and blah 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 uh, but sometimes i don't want that right and then a lot of the other cookbooks that are vegan rely on sort of vegan replacement foods so they'll say to go buy vegan cheese or to use a veggie ground base or something like that in place of meat mm-hmm. what or cheese mind you what uh, is really great with lauren's page is that she teaches you how to make real food using sort of regular ingredients and the most adventurous she gets in terms of specialty ingredients is you might need cashews to make a vegan Parmesan um, or uh, I think white pepper to give sort of an eggy taste to some of her uh, 
egg-like dishes, but mm-hmm. none of it is really that out there, and she uses regular ingredients that she can buy in any store, uh, which makes the recipes really accessible to a lot of people. Yeah, I think accessibility is, is super important um, when eating plant-based. And um, I believe we've, we've chatted about this um, before, but I think it's also important to um, acknowledge that um, going plant-based isn't as expensive as, as some people um, make it out to be. And perhaps it could even be cheaper because you aren't purchasing um, meat so often. Yeah. But yeah. What's What's your take on that? Well, it's exactly that, is that people have this idea that vegan food is expensive. Mm-hmm. And they're not entirely wrong with that idea. No. And it depends you're... what kind you get because there are those. Let's say, like, I get... Um, my favorite ice cream is from the brand so delicious and it's because I don't think that regular ice cream brands like Briars have like released um, any vegan um, options yet but uh, I know like for mayonnaise um, earth oh, I forget the, earth, the balance. Brand. earth balance is it earth balance earth but yeah they do have a vegan mayo and it's specifically um, advertised as vegan mayo so that's gonna be more expensive in comparison to you just getting like a Hellman's mayonnaise, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's, uh, but Hellman's does make vegan mayonnaise. They do, and it's so much cheaper. Well, yeah, cheaper than the vegan, than the vegan branded one. Exactly. Um, but it's the same price as the uh, regular mayonnaise. Exactly. And stuff that I sort of tell people that surprises them a lot is people will ask me in a very judgmental tone. Uh, well, what do you eat? And I'm like, well, I have lots of pasta dishes and sort of bread and stuff like that. And they say, oh, well, pasta isn't vegan. And they think they sort of catch me in this lie. And it's true that true pasta, if you go to some Italian market, mm-hmm. is going to be made with an egg base. Mm-hmm. But uh, manufacturers that are trying to sort of just get out uh, boxes of dried pasta it's more expensive to use those real ingredients like eggs and milk and whatnot uh, so lots of bread all Dempster's bread is vegan aside from the ones that have sort of cheese in it of course mm-hmm. um, most boxed dried pasta is vegan and the reason for that is it's just less expensive for the company to do so so lots of what people are already eating is vegan innately And then on top of that, as you said, cutting out the meat and cutting out the dairy and cutting out the egg from your diet, uh, you aren't going to be buying that stuff. And now there is uh, almond milk, of course, which isn't any more expensive than regular milk. No, not really. There is vegan cheese, which is more expensive, I think. Not by much, though. I haven't bought regular cheese in a while, but it's... Yeah. yeah, I think it's a touch more expensive. Yeah, but I honestly don't buy vegan cheese ever, really. Um, I'll, I'll buy it for some specialty dishes that I'm trying to experiment with or make, or if I want to make some good burgers or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But generally speaking, I just avoid it. And it's like with anything. 
if you buy the good quality stuff, which most vegan substitute products are, mm -hmm. it's going to be more expensive, whether it be sort of quote unquote real cheese that uses sort of fancier ingredients or whatever it is uh, versus the no name brand stuff that's obviously going to be cheaper. Mm -hmm. So any diet can be expensive or inexpensive. It's just a matter of what you put your money towards. Right. Um, you had, you had mentioned this, but there are, I don't know if you, well, I call them um, quote unquote accidental vegan foods in um, the first podcast, but um, I don't think that you have to give up any of your guilty pleasures if you go vegan, because I know Oreos are um, vegan. Uh, my favorite <laughs> breakfast food, which is just sugar in a box, Timbit cereal for my fellow Canadians, um, is also vegan. So there's, there's so many, like you said, um, already vegan foods out there that you just got to look at the ingredients list to see if it's vegan. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's not a, it's not hard to find when you know what to look for. So, exactly. so I actually, it was interesting. My, uh, my mom, when I was still living uh, in the house with her and my dad, uh, she would buy bread or whatever. Uh, some, I forget what it was, but it had milk in it. Mm -hmm. And, she was getting annoyed, rightfully so, I guess, because she isn't vegan. So she was sort of putting the extra effort for me, which was nice. But um, she would read through ingredient lists to find if it ever said it had milk or egg in it. Uh, but what you find after you go vegan is that you can just look at the may contain section. Exactly. And if it says that it, quote, may contain milk or egg, then you're good to go because all may contain means is that it was manufactured in a place that also uses milk and egg. And I know there's lots of vegans that are sort of purists, I guess you can say, and won't eat anything that even touches uh, egg or dairy or has been made by someone that touched egg or dairy or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's you can do whatever you want, really. I'm not one to say, but there is a bit of a gray area that needs to be acknowledged. I think. And people need to sort of slow down on the concerns there and realize that vegan food, if you aren't worried about cross-contamination like that, is accessible everywhere. Exactly. And to just sort of justify that point for a second, the whole reason I don't find an issue with cross-contamination or whatnot is the mm -hmm main principle behind vegan lifestyle is you're trying to avoid unnecessary violence. Mm -hmm. So for a company to make purely vegan food is obviously best case scenario for me. But if a company is making food that isn't vegan on the side and is also making vegan food in that same warehouse, me buying that vegan food isn't adding to or taking away from the production of the non-vegan food. So I'm not contributing to the slaughter of that animal or the use of its product, whether it be milk or egg or whatever it is. So as long as you're not 
paying or contributing to that sort of production and that use of the animal, then in my mind, you're free to do whatever you want. Right. And I think when you're so um, hard on yourself and and limiting yourself in, in that way, it makes it so much more difficult to eat in general. Um, because then if you go to a restaurant per se, you're going to have to really just go to the plant-based ones. And there's, um, not no way, but the chance of, of cross-contamination will always be there. Absolutely. Um, if you go to a non, um, vegan restaurant, but I wanted to talk about the accessibility of plant-based eating with you as well in terms of eating out to at restaurants, because I know, um, when I was a quote unquote flexitarian, which is, um, me eating vegetarian when I can, um, and eating meat otherwise, if I'm in, in a circumstances, in a, <laughs> if I'm in a circumstance, that's English, <laughs> where I kind of didn't have any other choice, I, I would, um, choose to go eat at these restaurants that are plant-based friendly and um we we have talked about this but beyond burgers are everywhere and that's kind of what started all of this mm-hmm. well corporate decisions are based off money and money alone and that mm-hmm. that's all it is and people can <clears throat> uh they can pick it or they can write letters and sort of hold uh, demonstrations all they want but at the end of the day if a company is still making money off of a product the unfortunate reality is they're going to continue to make said product no matter what it is mm-hmm. so uh, in terms of accessibility to relate it to that uh, A&W I think was one of the first companies, big companies anyways that in, uh, incorporated the vegan burger I think they were. And yeah. it was supposed to be a temporary thing, and they were just testing it out. And then they realized that they were making lots of money off of this because it wasn't just mm-hmm. vegans that were buying it, it was vegetarians and people that wanted to maybe cut meat out of their diet a little bit more. People that just wanted to try it. Like everyone was trying this burger, and it was good. I have lots of friends that are nowhere near being vegan. And whenever they go to AW, they get the Beyond Burger because they just like it better uh, for whatever reason. So when other companies saw that AW was making money off of this, every company, every fast food place has now started making vegan burgers. So it's nice for the vegan community to have that option because if you're drunk at 2 a.m. and your friends want to go get fast food, uh, you're no longer yeah. limited to just having french fries on the side. Fries. Like you have to exactly. eat something. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately... It is still, in my mind, limited, the options that vegans have, because it is just that vegan burger. And what I think needs to happen now is, although lots of places have vegan options, and there are more and more vegan restaurants or vegetarian restaurants opening up that can accommodate the plant-based diet, more often than not, all you'll find on sort of a pub menu or a fast food place or whatever it is, is that Beyond Burger. So to relate it back to the uh, corporations making decisions based off money, 
vegans should uh, be encouraged to go out and buy these burgers and sort of encourage these companies and businesses and let them know that vegans are interested in this product. And if they see that, then they'll slowly start to incorporate more vegan options and the menus will become more diverse. And from a realistic perspective, I don't think that the vegan diet will ever completely overtake uh, the omnivore diet. I don't think we're going to see no sort of beef on menus ever again. No. But having those options available is going to encourage more people to try it. And the more people that try it, the more people are going to go vegan. And it's going to create a more sustainable uh, eating habit on a sort of planet basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really do think that's true, though, because whenever I go out to a restaurant, the first thing that I see is a Beyond Burger. And I, I honestly think there's only so much you can do with a Beyond Burger, and it will taste the same every single time. <laughs> Honestly, I make better Beyond Burgers myself at my house than I have ever had uh, going out to a restaurant. Right. Yeah, and there's also alternatives to um, burger patties. Like, you can make them with um, beans, black beans, or chickpeas. The, the best um, one I made. Or mushrooms as well. Yeah, the best one I made was a mixture of sweet potato, although I know you hate it, and black bean. I, do, I don't like sweet potato. I'll have to tell. Should I tell the story of well, it's, no, it's kind of gross. <laughs> I just, um, long story short. You puked your gut out. <laughs> yeah, that's the short story. You puked for like that's... three days after eating sweet potato. Exactly. Because I had um, sweet potato fries with sushi when I um, still ate meat at a mall because I make bad choices sometimes. And I did not feel good for two days. And it was the worst so i can now actually eat sushi as obviously there there isn't seafood in it um and but i still cannot bring myself to eat sweet potatoes like i smell it and i just kind of want to throw up (laughs) um but yeah that (laughs) after that gross story let's talk about more food (laughs) um but usually the options at restaurants are a beyond burger or and um cauliflower wings like that's probably the top two things you're gonna see and some sort of like rice bowl in some way, shape, or form. And I think that there's so much more creativity that could that could be there, or that could even happen at home. Um, but yeah, I think if you're really looking for good vegan foods, you have to specifically look at vegan restaurants. Because my personal favorite that I actually just tried um, the week prior is Heart's Choice um, here where we live in um, Calgary, and it's super good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hearts Choices is uh, definitely my favorite vegan place in the city, uh, consistently anyways. There's places that I would rather go to for specific items, um, but Hearts Choices, I haven't ordered anything from them and been disappointed. And the the nice thing about them, it's like any sort of mom and pop restaurant, is they had a little kiosk at a farmer's market. And they had two walk-in cafes and sit-down restaurants, small, tiny places, uh, one in the south and one in the north of the city. And recently they shut down the one in the south 
uh, unfortunately, but it was sort of a happy story. It's because the woman that opened it uh, named Nan, who came, I believe, from Thailand. I've met her a handful of times. Um, oh, yeah, good. she's pushing 80 and she wanted to retire. Uh, so they sort of downsized to just the uh, farmer's market location and the one in the north. And it's run by whoever she had set up to take over the corporation or take over the business anyways. But yeah, it's those sort of little businesses just run by a handful of people that actually care about what they're making that are going to get you the best stuff. And that's not limited to vegan food. That's any food. You're going to see the same thing. If people actually care about it, they're going to make good stuff. Support your local businesses, especially in um, <laughs> in, in times exactly. like Exactly, if you can, anyways. Yeah, if you can, totally. I think it's a little bit pricier because, again, you're supporting a local business, but I think it's it's but worth it. You're going to get a better um, experience out of it. Exactly, and it's so sweet to see um, the same people again and again. Exactly. <laughs> like, you start to become friends with them, they know your orders, like, it's just... It's nice to have that recognition. Right. Right. It's personable and it's very sweet. I suppose on a, um, on a last note, do you have any suggestions for people um, like myself? Because I, I do think I will go um, vegan eventually. Do you have any advice for people who are trying to go vegan? One, one piece of helpful advice. Well, I think I'll make the distinction between plant-based and vegan. Um, okay. So plant-based is specific to food. And mm-hmm. basically all vegans are plant-based, but not all plant-based people are vegan. And mm-hmm. so to eat plant-based is to not consume anything that comes from an animal uh, in mm-hmm. any extent. And there's a debate around honey and if honey's vegan. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think it is, well, actually. It's what not, is, what is your by on definition, that? because it okay. comes from a bee. However, interestingly... Go on, sorry. Uh, lots of places that make honey are going uh, do so in a way that actually helps the bees and doesn't hurt them in any way. And it sort of promotes their growth and the like continued yeah, growth of bee populations, I guess, which is necessary for our world to survive. Uh, like I have a friend whose dad just in his backyard has a bunch of hives and the dad would just go out there in a bee suit and he wouldn't gas them and he'd just take the honey and he did so in a way that doesn't damage the uh, honeycombs that the bees make so it's actually easier for them to make more honey uh, because they don't have to remake the honeycombs like they would if they were the ones that were eating it alone and it just... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't hurt them in any way. He takes what he needs, leaves more than enough for them, and everyone's happy. And it's that sort of gray area that I think needs Mm. to start being acknowledged by some of these hardcore vegans. Um, So Mm. to continue on with my original point, and then to loop it back to that, plant-based diet is specific to food. Vegan lifestyle Mm -hmm. is someone that uses no animal products. And obviously, that's almost next to impossible uh, because yeah, it's difficult. Everything has animal products in it. Glue obviously has uh, horse hooves or 
uh, cattle foods or whatever it is, some uh, sort of uh, whatever animal or mammals, foot like that. Um, wine is filtered through fish bladder a lot of the time, so that's not vegan uh, by definition. And the, the list goes on of stuff like this. So, however, uh, vegans generally, if you want to narrow it down, they don't wear anything uh, that has animal in it. So no down jackets, uh, no leather belts or leather jackets or shoes, uh, no wool, uh, because that comes from sheep, obviously. So everything they wear doesn't have animal product in it, and everything they buy doesn't have animal product in it. Uh, so also, you can't buy anything that's tested on animals. So makeup, hair products, mm -hmm. uh, stuff like that, none of it uh, can be tested on animals. And it's a lot easier than you would think to do that, but you are going to mess up. And I guess the piece of advice would be to allow yourself those moments of, whether it be deliberate, decisions that you're going to eat something that isn't vegan um, or accidental moments when you didn't realize that something you were buying was tested on animal or had animal products in it or whatever it may be mm -hmm. um, because you need to if it was an all or none situation and if you only allowed yourself to be vegan as long as you were 100% vegan then it's going to be way too difficult and it's going to just uh, destroy the experience for you. Exactly. But yeah, by allowing yourself those little mistakes, it's definitely makes it more accessible, makes it easier to transition. And mm -hmm. no one's perfect. You're going to mess up. I mess up all the time. My friends that just went vegan and they're very intense about it. And I'm telling them that slowly they're going to make a few mistakes and realize that it's not as uh, black and white as they once saw it. And yeah. the case in point is the bee example that by buying locally sourced sustain uh, sustainable honey, we're actually doing more for the environment than by not buying it. Mm -hmm. That was great. Thank you very much. Um, I think that was um, important for me to hear as well because I know that there's a lot of um, perhaps like vegan shaming. I was um, listening to a girl talk about this in a video and I'll have to find it and um, link it below because I, my eyes were kind of um, opened to it afterwards. But shaming somebody for not being vegan enough when we're all genuinely trying our best um is important to kind of shut down because like you said nobody's perfect and we're all um doing our best to be sustainable and to help the planet in um every which way we can yeah absolutely you need to allow people a little bit of benefit of the doubt and just let them mm -hmm. let them experiment let them try their thing and uh, it'll It'll work out in the end, but if you if you lynch people for sort of small errors, exactly. it's not going to benefit anyone ever. And yeah. yeah, over the last four years, I've become better at having these conversations with uh, non-vegans, 
and it's become a lot less confrontational for me. And there's a lot, there's better chances for people to find common ground if you allow a little Mm -hmm. bit of sort of room. Um, There is a, I went to a discussion on uh, Islam and this, it'll relate back, but I went to this discussion. I was talking to the uh, doctor that was hosting the seminar, the conversation. And we were sort of talking about mutual understanding and knowledge and how that can help bridge the gaps between certain groups of people. And he was telling me that he has a friend who's black and he will go and seek out conversations with KKK clan members and racists. And he will sit down and have conversations with them and find common ground. And in doing so, he allows people to sort of see the similarities as opposed to the differences. And we exist in a society that sort of thrives off of difference. And we need to start acknowledging the similarities and the benefits of any group of people and the ideas that individuals have. Uh, So yeah, shaming someone for not sharing your ideology or for not being perfect in your uh, worldview isn't going to benefit anyone. Exactly. Um, also, I don't know if you can hear that buzzing, but I'm getting a, a number of work messages, so I apologize. I, I'm recording on my phone, so I unfortunately cannot. But that's that's all the buzzing, and I apologize to you as well as um, whoever's listening. But yeah, and I think when we approach those conversations calmly and in a level-headed manner it doesn't appear like you know the the angry vegans that um media or whomever you're having that conversation with has has us has us cut out to be which is not the case for many people who are um but i think more so when you start eating plant-based that's kind of when you're more incredibly passionate about it um I know that's how I was. That's when you start doing anything. Exactly. Exactly. You have a lot of fire. Exactly. (laughs) But that's just me normally. And it, yeah, it slowly (laughs) calms down from there. And then you start to sort of see the, the good on either side. Like I have lots of friends that are uh, hunters and will go out and Mm. during hunting season, they'll shoot, sort of a couple of elk or deer or catch rabbits, whatever it may be. But I don't necessarily have an issue with that because it's more sustainable and it greets the animal with more respect and they do more for the environment in terms of hunters and sustainability and advocating for nature and the protection of our uh, national parks than most vegans that I know. Why would you say that? Could you expand on that? Yeah, well, a lot of vegans just jump on it because it's a bandwagon thing that uh, is sort of a fad to do right now. Or they do it for health Mm -hmm. reasons or whatever it may be. But so the, the killing of an animal. Okay, to bring it back to the start, as I said, there's health, environmental, and ethical in terms of animal ethic uh, reasons to be vegan. Health, I don't really care. 
like whatever you want to do to your body, do to your body. It's not my business. Uh, but what does affect me and everyone else is the environmental aspect and the animal ethics side of things. Mm-hmm. So the killing of an animal isn't the issue. Um, it's the way in which we raise and slaughter animals that causes harm. So to speak to the ethics side of things briefly, I know that pigs are slaughtered in a way that they're lined up and sent through troughs and they're shot in the head and the carcasses are thrown down a slide and the pigs behind them can see what's happening. And anyone that studied pigs knows that they're smart creatures, uh, smarter than dogs. They understand what's happening and they're being marched to their death. So it's a very violent, very gruesome and dark uh, space to be in. Uh, veal is made in a way that as soon as the calf is born, it's kept in a cage its entire short life, doesn't ever see the sun because it keeps the meat more tender. Uh, foie gras is made uh, by fattening up goose livers. So you shove uh, tubes down goose's necks and force feed them fat to increase the fattiness of the liver. And then it's harvested and cut up and served. Uh, so there's all of these incredibly harmful ways of killing and producing certain animal products. So a friend of mine going out to a designated hunting ground and taking his rifle and shooting a deer at a distance uh, that was living its natural life and killing it quickly and humanely and bringing it home and cutting it up and using that as their source of meat for the next few months because a deer can last a family a long time uh it is as ethical a way to kill an animal as possible and i see no real issue with that because then if you look at the environmental side of things um again the killing of one animal doesn't hurt the environment but it's the raising of cattle in the masses that we are that hurts the environment because we clear-cut forests we use so much water to raise uh these animals to be slaughtered in which we use more water to clean them uh, and then more water to process them and then package the burgers and all of that uh creates emissions and greenhouse gases and uh depletes our water source and depletes our land sources and the list goes on Um, And also in terms of uh, feeding these animals, the land use to uh, grow enough grain to feed these cattle is astronomical. I think that something around 70% of the land used to grow crops goes towards feeding livestock. And only 30% of it is used for actual human consumption. And those numbers are probably skewed a little bit, but I know it's around that mark it's that dramatic so if we Mm -hmm. stopped producing cattle in that way and stopped producing livestock like that we could use the land that we grow these uh plants or this uh wheat in and put it towards growing food for human consumption and there's some statistic out there that we could solve world hunger by simply repurposing the food we give to animals by giving it to people. And it's, it's ridiculous that uh, this is sort of being ignored. 
and there's excuses that people come up with in terms of, oh, well, not all land can grow crops. And that's true, mm -hmm. but the vast majority of it can. So it's, although certain parts of land would then go to waste it, the majority of it would still be put to use. And there's, I could just go on about all the different excuses and justifications I've heard, but the long and short of it is the way in which we're raising livestock to be slaughtered and used for human consumption is not sustainable and it's killing the earth. Um, so vegans need to advocate for their lifestyle while still allowing people those sort of outlets, whether it be buying meat from a farmer's market where it's just a sort of local farmer that has three cows and isn't causing any notable harm to the environment um, or talking to a friend of theirs who's a hunter and getting meat off them or whatever it is, but allowing people these outlets creates conversations that are a lot more beneficial than simply saying you're wrong. I'm right. Do it my way. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and on that note, that was a, Wonderful conversation. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's no problem. And <laughs> thank you very much for listening to this episode of The Unhealthy Vegetarian. And I will see you on the next one.